Is everybody ready? Let's get rolling. This is The Big Show on 97.5, 1280 The Zone in the Zone Sports Network. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Thank you very much for making us a part of your day. Uh, Coming up here momentarily, Gordon, uh, we're going to have a chance to talk to uh, Steve Hummer. Very much looking forward to this. He interviewed Tom Glavin and wrote about it in the Atlanta Journal-Constitution and talking about the challenge Major League Baseball and its players are going to have to overcome to come back and, and get a season done. And Tom's perspective was fascinating, I thought, Gordon, because he was right at the center of the 94-95 baseball strike. Yes, and uh, this is a little different than it was back then for obvious reasons, but, uh, but uh, yeah, it'll be interesting to talk with Steve. Uh, it, I, I don't know how this is going to turn out. I mean, uh, of, all the, of all the leagues who are trying to come back, I think this is the one that is most dubious right now. All right, let's jump out to the Sprint special guest line. Sprint, they make it safe and easy to get what you need online. Visit Sprint.com for online services and local store availability. He writes for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution. He is Steve Hummer with us here on The Big Show. Steve, good afternoon. How are you? Well, good. How are you guys doing? Hey, we are doing just great. Um, So will you go into kind of what's going on in Major League Baseball with the Players Association? This isn't a a Major League Baseball market out there, so just to uh, catch our listeners up a little bit, and then we're dying to get into your chat with Tom Glavin. Well, (laughs) baseball, like everybody else, is trying to figure it out. And and, uh, as I I talked to uh, Tom about about this, he was such a union – He's uh, as such a forefront of the union stuff, and during the strike of '94, I thought he might have an interesting perspective. And because this, besides the economic issue, there is all the health issues that they have to work out. And uh, I, in fact, I was talking to our beat guy today, and he he still doesn't think there's going to be baseball this year. And um, I I tend to be more optimistic than that, but. Um, but there's just so much going on here, and it's going to come down to economics again, too, with the owners and the players, and they just flat don't trust each other. Uh, certainly, the players certainly doesn't; they don't trust ownership, and that's and that's that's going to be a tough bridge to build. That's been the history throughout, hasn't it? It seems like this sure. has always been the way it was, yeah. and that's why going all the way back to the to the old days that uh, the players' union got as strong as it did. Do you think, Steve, that that the health issues, uh, are, that the players will end up, uh, for lack of a better term, hiding behind the health issues uh, and when I, they're I, really I think protesting they're, the economics of it? Yeah, that's a good question. I think they're, I, I think they're sincerely concerned about their well-being uh, mm-hmm. and how, how they would pull off just the logistics of this season. Um, uh, I... I wouldn't. I wouldn't dismiss as, in fact, as Glavin said, I wouldn't dismiss a player's concern about his health any more than I would anybody else, uh, because we're all we're all trying to figure that out now, how to go about our lives and and stay healthy. So um, that's why. Well, I found it. I found Blake Snell's comments particularly uh, well. I guess amusing in the fact that he's he's sixty feet six inches from anybody. So you know he's <laughs> he's, he's pretty well. Uh, He's pretty well socially distanced already, and he's. Uh, but I, I do think that the players are, are right to be concerned about how 
they can do this and do it do it uh, uh, healthfully. Steve Hummer of the Atlantic Journal-Constitution with us here on The Big Show. And I, I thought Tom's comments throughout your, your piece were, were really, really fascinating. But let's start out with the kind of the headline uh, where he basically says if there's no baseball because uh, of, um, you know, uh, conflict with the owners, the players are going to get the blame regardless. And that seems like uh, it's the case with most players uh, v. owners' such as circumstances. But in this case, right. it may be magnified exponentially. Oh, yeah, because there's so many people, you know, out of work, and uh, they they certainly don't want to hear anything about a, a player complaining about how he's only going to make, well, let's say in Snell's case, $3 million rather than $7 million this year. Um, uh, that is, I mean, there's there's just no way they can, they can uh, really argue uh, – it's, it, on, a, on an economic basis, it's going to sound resonate uh, with the with the, the paying public that that really is suffering right now, and that's uh, you know you have to also look at you know the owners the owners need to share in the losses as well, uh, um, and they did they did come to uh, an accord early about doing this prorated uh, salary, and now they're coming back and say, well, look, can we do this fifty fifty thing? So they're asking the players to give more. And they have to figure out if they want to do that. And uh, uh, it's it's just, I mean, people are just just want to see some sports so desperately that they they don't really want to hear a player complaining about not making enough money. Aside from the health issues, uh, Steve, does it really come down to setting a precedent with this fifty-fifty split that the well, players yeah. have always been against the salary cap, and they don't? That, are they afraid that the if, if they agree to this that that it will become a problem in their future? I, I think I think they don't want any sort of precedent to be set. Uh, that being said, you would think it would be easy enough to reach a hard and fast agreement saying this is a one-off, and you know. You know, make it very clear that we're we will not accept this under ordinary circumstances. This is just such a uh, just such a, uh, a monumental uh, monumentally different time that we're in now that we'll accept it, but never again. You, you'd think that would be easy enough to establish. You know, I I thought it was interesting, Steve, where Tom pretty much said, "I'm glad I'm not in the middle of it." <laughs> yeah, yeah, he wanted he wanted no part of it. Well, he got beat up really really pretty good in '94 because he was. He's a good guy, and he's very smart. I mean, he's a, he used to bring a briefcase to the ballpark, and so you look, you look the uh, very much the uh, the uh, official type, um, and and he was always he was always willing to talk about it, and as a result, he became the face of uh, of the strike a little bit, and a, a reason that fans thought that uh, there wasn't any baseball that year when they the Braves opened the opening uh, of the next season and. Opening late and did the they did the introductions first. He got booed first game, mm-hmm. so um, and then they end up winning the World Series in the, the year with him pitching the biggest game. Yeah, I like the way you described it. Uh, you said that Tom Glavin was about as popular with the fans as a ten dollars spilled beer. Yeah, yeah <laughs> you he, know, he was... I rem- I remember Steve. I remember it clear as day. And I pro- I was on that side of blaming him, or, or not necessarily blaming him, but but holding it against him. Yeah, it's it's and it's so hard because you're, you know, a you're 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 ta- you have by doing that you're taking the side of these billionaire owners, 
All right. who are uh, who are of course looking after their own interests as well. Um, so it's it's tough, and 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 Georgia certainly. I'm, I'm it might be well the same in Utah. Georgia's not a union state to begin with, so uh, the, the whole I, <laughs> that just added a little more to it. You know, no, talking to Tom and and you being there in Atlanta, where of course there are uh, many professional sports. Do you see uh, differences in the way that the players and players' association for different leagues is handling it as opposed to baseball? We compared it to the NBA a little bit earlier in the show. That seems to be having less difficulty with this sort of thing. Well, uh, they 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 do, but there's still no there's still no there's nobody's playing. Right. Um, uh, I think baseball, yeah, is. I, I, that may well go to the, the just the level of distrust uh, between the the owners ownership and the players, and and basketball only does does have a uh, uh, you know some sort of uh, you know cap in place at least for the luxury tax. So they 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 seem to be handling it better, but I'm I'm still waiting to see until they actually play a game. Man, Steve, I agree with you completely what you said earlier, namely that it seems as though they should be able to come to some accord on on a temporary situation, right. and then the players can go back to their normal, say, hey, man, we w- we'll do this, but we're going to make it clear to you that this is only going to be for this year, and then we're done with it, and uh, make right, that absolutely that, clear. Yeah. They have to realize that it's an extraordinary circumstance, and All right. and that's sometimes calls for an extraordinary solution. Um, and you do have to, you do have to bend a little if you're, if you're really serious. I wonder how much bending will go on after, actual after players are missing some paychecks and actually feeling, I don't know if they have to feel it financially before they get, uh, feel any sort of real, uh, real push to get back to playing. We're talking with Steve Hummer of the Atlanta Journal-Constitution uh, with us here on the big show on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. I, I found uh, when Tom was talking about other players, you know, saying things that they think are, are helpful or getting their point across when yeah. really it's yeah. it's not. I would imagine being a union leader in today's day and age with social media would be so hard from that standpoint. I bet Tom's glad he's not dealing with TikTok or whatever the hot thing is these well, days. Well, yeah, exactly. And, and guys pop off on social media and <clears throat> you're um, excuse me there you um, and, and referring to Blake Snell I mean his if you actually even hear him talk he, you know he sounds like this this kid who doesn't doesn't have this in the tone of it he has no idea of what what's going on in the real world like you know just watch a news program once and get some idea of how to phrase what you're trying to say uh, it, 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 it was it, I heard that. I just really, uh, and I'm glad I did the same. He just, just couldn't believe what he was hearing. Steve, do we have an update on where the vote among the players would be? As far as what, what, what kind of majority and minority are we talking about here that would yeah, either be in favor or against? That's a that, that's a that's a darn good question. I and I don't know. Uh, I really don't know what the players are, are thinking as a whole. It's um, I know even in the Brave case, it's it's been really difficult to even reach players to talk to them uh, at this stage. I think they're kind of they're kind of laying low, and the teams are certainly keeping them that way as well because uh, I don't think they want a lot of conversation about it going on. Um, 
So I can't. I can, I don't really have a real good feel for it. How, uh, and I don't know if it's it'll, it'll fall on economic uh, levels. You know, the guys who are already made a lot of money and, and don't worry if they're going to be more hard hardcore than the than the younger guys and, and the guys who need uh, need to get playing. Uh, so I don't know if there's a division there or not. Um, and then, and then I just the don't know. I just don't know what the I don't know what the temperature is out there with those guys. Yeah, I wonder the subset uh, beneath all of that. How many really want to play under these conditions that we talked about earlier right. about the health? I mean, right. are there those who would just as soon stay home and just bag the whole thing and that's it? I don't even want to get involved. Um, you no, know, actually, I was actually thinking in those terms a lot with the NBA. Like looking at the team here, the Hawks, they have nothing to play for. Why? Uh, uh, why come back and play? You know, eighteen more games. Uh, uh, and and risk it. That, that would seem really. Uh, they seem they, they would have to ask that question more than than the Braves. Um, but there, I don't. There may be a there may be a segment that just you know wants to wait until it's completely safe, and uh, I don't know when that's going to be. Way off topic, I know. But if you had one game to win, who do you go with? Smoltz, Maddox, or Galavin? Uh, <laughs> One game to win. I'd probably go with Smoltz. Um, yeah, uh, he, he was a, he was a great postseason pitcher, and his stuff. You know, he was a stuff guy. You know, Maddox. Uh, he had some. If you look at his postseason record, he had some. He had some outings that weren't that attractive. Um. Yeah, he. I, I I just really trusted Smoltz's stuff when when he had it. He he could be overpowering. He's the one guy who could really overpower you. Steve, uh, quick story for you. I was uh, over in Italy uh, one summer, and I was at the uh, I was at the Vatican. I'd never been there before, and I was about uh, taking a tour, and uh, I ran into some Braves fans who happened to be there and from Atlanta, and I yeah. Casually mentioned to them that uh, Dale Murphy was—we uh, consider him a friend—and he was a friend of mine. And I—I I, I couldn't get rid of him for the next hour. I think they <laughs> followed me around everywhere I went. Have people? Do people there in Atlanta still remember Dale? How do they feel about oh, yeah. him? Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, he's—he's he's beloved. I mean, it's there's uh, there's no other word for it. And I mean, for my family, he's still the nicest man I've ever dealt with. He's—he's <laughs> uh, he's just. He's just such a such a just a, a good man, and and it just shines through with him. Uh, now Murphy is, uh, and and we're you know every time he doesn't get in the Hall of Fame, everybody everybody is up in arms, and and uh, but no, he is he's he's definitely uh, he's beloved. Well, Steve, thank you so much for jumping on the air with us today. We greatly appreciate it and really enjoyed that piece in the uh, Journal Constitution. Thank you very well, much. Well, thank you much. I hope you guys get over uh, watching the the last dance and how Jordan was just beating up on Utah. <laughs> we're trying, you know. They, yeah, he, okay. he said we're, we're still, poisoning everybody out yeah, here. So, you yeah, know. we still got the pizza thing going around here, Steve. <laughs> okay. Well, yeah. well, uh, this that too will pass too. So there you go. <laughs> Thanks, Steve. 
That's Steve Hummer. He writes for the Atlanta Journal-Constitution, and um, it, it's made uh, the the uh, the piece has made national news today, Gordon. It's really really good. Again, the headline is "Braves Great Tom Glavin Knows Who You Will Blame If Baseball Stays Out," and it's it's something uh, you know we compare it to the NBA, but it, it's something that they're going to have to think about too. That uh, you know, what are going to be the ramifications if you draw the line in the sand, wherever that line may be, for whatever reason. If it doesn't happen, who's going to get the blame? And I think Tom's totally right, at least in baseball's case, uh, the players are, are going to get the blame. Well, that's that goes without saying. That, that's going to be the way. Now, it's a little different with the health situation this time around, and that does complicate it, and it may soften it to some extent. On the other hand, like he was talking about, it could make it worse because of the, the desperate situation some people are finding themselves in financially. But... Um, I thought in reading what uh, Tom's comments were, I I got the feeling that, man, he stuck his finger in the fire back then, and he's not overly eager to stick his finger back in the fire. Yeah, again. it almost sounded like he would do it differently if he had yeah. to go back. But yeah. you know, and I, I mean, I, there's no, there's no uh, falling uh, away from his position because he, I think he really believed what he was standing up for at the time, but... But he does not want to get run over by that Mack truck again. No. And, um, you know, we talked to him about social media in today's day and age. Can you imagine trying to keep all those players in line and to keep their big bazoo shut? Where you're like, I, I know you think you're helping, <laughs> that you're going to convince everybody, but you're not. Well, <laughs> Steve mentioned, uh, referenced the Blake Snell comments, and uh, those, those were unfortunately... Uh, expressed uh that, yeah you're that, just going to come off out of touch right yeah he he uh i gotta get my money i'm not playing unless i get mine okay i mean uh, it's just kind of tone deaf your guy bryce harper backed him up on it yeah way to go gordon the phillies at it again screwing us all uh well that's just because uh he he you know <laughs> uh, let me say it this way I don't think anybody's eager to see the Phillies come back unless they're greatly advanced from where they were last year. This is uh, an interesting point, uh, Gordon, talking about this. Uh, here's uh, from um, uh, from the column uh, where he said, even if Snell had a point somewhere in his babble, it got lost in the tone deafness of his words. Quote, right. this is from Tom, quote, that's the problem when you get guys out there saying things. It never helps the situation, unquote. Gla- uh, Glavin said, biting his tongue where Snell seemed uh, incapable. That's yes. totally true. I mean, even you know, other players out there are like, yeah, we don't want to play for less money either, but maybe that's not the way to deliver the message. Mm-hmm. Maybe not uh, waving it out out there uh, for everybody. Maybe we could do something better. Maybe call your financial advisor and keep it with them. Get, call your union rep. Call call your attorney. <laughs> Do anything but uh, but uh, go on social media ranting and raving like an insensitive lunatic. That's uh, not the way see, you're going to get it. I don't mind it when they do that because then they reveal what they really think, and that that's the truth. But in this case, that's not productive. It's not productive, but that's not my problem. Well, it is your problem if you want to see Major League Baseball again. Yeah, but I'm not in charge of what people say. Let them uh, express themselves. It is America. Right, again, I don't want to... Unless you don't like the Beatles, then can it. Right. Uh, no, then we'll just argue. We're not trying to put Snell in jail here, but if I were uh, <laughs> in the Players Union, I'd be like, button it up, Buttercup. We've got it. 
Let's let's get in there and do some negotiating. What are you doing other than damaging our position, you moron? Well, yeah. If you're in the if you have if you have a dog in the fight, yeah. <laughs> but uh, don't you when an athlete speaks out or expresses some idea that you disagree with, aren't you still glad that you found that out? Me as a, a human who loves to read the tabloids, sure. But I'd also <laughs> like to see Major League Baseball again sometime in the near future, if at all yeah, possible. But, uh, a guy like that isn't going to affect uh, the overall you know, force of where the direction this thing is going. He could. I mean, How? within the ranks How? of the, within the ranks of the union, that's what it's designed gonna, to do. Oh, really? You think they're all sitting there circling Brit, Blake Snell, saying, "Oh yeah, right on, brother." You that's won, what you won I, the I, Cy Young two years ago. Yeah, I mean, he carries some weight. You you call your union rep. You say, "Hey, I've talked to some guys. We've got uh, a few of us that feel this way. Let's dial up a Zoom meeting and let's let's talk about this did thing." Because that's did the you, whole point of the union. The, did you watch the video? I did watch the video, yes. Does that look like a guy you're going to rally around? I mean, as far as what he was saying? Well, I, I don't know that it matters what he was saying. His opinion matters because he's a member of the union. That's the yeah. that's the idea, right? Is that yeah. you have mutual, you have representation to collectively bargain. I mean, that's that in and of itself is a vehicle to let your opinion be heard. Doesn't mean you'll get your way entirely, no, right. but that's but it's the best way to get your way but, by but by turning the public against you. That's not going to help anybody, and that was what Tom's I, point was. Oh well, I don't think it really matters in this case. Either they're going to get a deal done, or they're not, and it's not going to hinge on what Blake Snell says publicly. See, he could be a lightning rod, though. If it doesn't, well, could, if it doesn't what, get done, everybody will right. point and say, "See, I, I that's the attitude right there. I that's the reason that I'm not enjoying a hot dog and a beer and watching some." <laughs> Dingers. And that's why Steve talked to Tom about this, because uh, Tom could relate to it. But it's it, I don't think that his speaking out is really going to affect uh, whether a deal gets done or not. I think it's just a guy popping off. See, I think public perception will actually sway this one. Maybe not in a normal work stoppage, but in this one, I think everybody out there really cares what the public, how the public is going to react. I think that actually will play... A big role in this thing, whether a big role, a big role. Whether, what Blake Snell said? No, no, no. I, I guess more the uh, the the concept of public perception will put pressure on players and owners more so than in a normal work negotiation. Well, then that'll be a good thing, right? But if you're the players' union and perception is going again, you that's not a good thing for the Players Association, and that's what uh, that's what Snell did. But that gets back to what Steve was talking about, though. You would think that, okay, you don't want to set a precedent. I get that. But these are extraordinary times. This is a one-time deal that it seems like you would be able to absolutely specify that and underscore it ten times. And then I, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not a, a, a labor attorney, or I don't negotiate deals. But if you agree to a one-time thing, does that still set the precedent? Uh, once that happens, uh, is your position weakened, or can you make it absolutely clear that hey, this is when coronavirus hit, and we're doing this once, and we're never doing it again? I mean, how many examples in history, though, can you point out where you're like, okay, we're going to do something for emergency purposes, and then it never goes back? I mean, isn't that how uh, a Caesar became Caesar? Yeah, but this the players' union is more powerful than, than that. Caesar. 
Well, I guess Caesar came out. Then the Roman Senate? Apparently so. All right. Well, I, I don't know. I mean, that's what the players' union will say. Will say. They say we're not going to go down this road because we'll never come back. Well, you back. can't play baseball without the players. True. You know, that's a good I mean, point. Well, we get some scabs going. Austin, how's your uh, how's your pitching arm these days? How are you better, feeling? Better than the Angels staff. Hey, hey! Oh, all right. Want to remind you about our friends at Syringa <laughs> Networks, home to complete business, telecom, and IT solutions, backed by industry leading SLA that guarantees the uptime your business needs. It's effective communication for 21st century Utah. Get started now at syringanetworks.net. Uh, Horace Grant had some comments about uh, Michael Jordan and his docu series. We'll get to those next on the. Big Show, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. Big Show, Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We'll get to Horace Grant in just one second, but... uh, I was uh, Austin and I in the break. We're just checking in on the Korean Baseball League standings. Uh, we've all adopted a team. Gordon, you're actually in third in the league, but you're in first out of us at eight and five. Doosan. Uh, Nine and five, isn't it? I thought it was eight and five. I've got eight and five up in front of me right now. Oh, I'm, a, okay. I'm a half game back at eight and six. Okay. And then Austin is three games back in, of me. His uh, Samsung Lions are at five and nine. However, uh, starting Friday which is actually Thursday, right? Uh, or do I have that backwards? They're ahead of us. So right, right now so. it is Thursday there. Okay, so Friday there would be Thursday here. Yes. Uh, you, uh, Gordon, your Doosan, what are they, the Bears? They yes. take on Austin's Lions. You guys have a three-game set coming up. I, I owe Austin uh, Slurpee from our last three-game set bet. You, you going to make one with Austin too? Uh, well, if I do, I'm going to pay up if I lose it. Oh. Well, don't get Austin a Slurpee. What are you oh. saying there? And by the way, you still owe us dinner. <laughs> I've tried to pay that off so many times, and you refuse to accept it because you like holding it over my head. We'd gladly accept a delicious dinner, especially in today's day and age. But we can basically, you're not going to pay up on that bet until 2021. <laughs> So we'll continue uh, to hold it over right. your head. But uh, so you you don't want to make a wager with Austin? Uh, let me think about that. When when right. does the series start? Tomorrow. Tomorrow, Thursday. Yeah. Today, tomorrow, tomorrow thir- Friday, whatever. whatever day it is. Yeah. That- While we are sleeping, they'll be playing. Right. Okay. All right. We'll, Not we'll come up with some tonight, but tomorrow night. <laughs> Okay. Right. Night, but not Friday. 2.1 gigawatts. Yeah, exactly. All right. We'll get this calendar thing down one of these days. All right. Uh, Horace Grant, um, who was uh, obviously in the docuseries The Last Dance, uh, one of Michael Jordan's teammates for a long time. And Sam Smith, Gordon, was actually on with DJ and PK today. Uh, you can, If you didn't hear that interview, you can catch it at 1280thezone.com. Great interview. Uh, for those Sam, guys. Sam's, Sam's a good guy, man. I got to know him pretty well when we were covering the, those two final series. So uh, Sam, of course, wrote the book about Michael Jordan. And what year did we decide that was? 1993? The Jordan so. Rules, kind of a tale, mm-hmm. tell-all type of book. Well, Jordan insinuated in the documentary that it was Horace Grant doing the telling all. And Horace had this response. I, I stated to everybody, that is a a downright, outright, completely lie. Lie, lie, lie. And as I stated, if MJ had a grudge with me, 
let's settle it like, man, let's talk about it, or we can settle, settle it another way. But yet and still, he goes out and put this lie out that I was the source behind. Sam and I have always been great friends. We're still great friends. But the sanctity of that locker room, I would never put anything personal out there. The, the mere fact that Sam Smith uh, was an investigative reporter, that he had to have two sources, two, to, uh, to, to write a book, I guess. Why would MJ just point me out? Okay? Right. That's, I mean, that, it, it, it's only a grudge, man. I'm telling you, it was only a grudge. And I think he proved that during this so-called documentary when if you don't say something, if you say something about him, he's going to cut you off. He's, uh, um, he's going to try to destroy your character. I mean, you know, Charles Barkley, they've been friends for over 20, 30 years, and he said something about uh, Michael's um, uh, management uh, with the Charlotte Bobcats or the Charlotte Hornets. Um, and then they haven't spoken since then. And my, my fact, is, my, my point is that he called, he said I was a snitch, but yet and still after 30 or 35 years, he brings up um, – his rookie year going into uh, one of his teammates' room, his former teammates' room, and seeing coke and weed and women. My point is, why why in the hell did he want to bring that up? What What's that got to do with anything? I mean, if, if you want to call somebody a snitch, that's a damn snitch right there. That was on ESPN Radio 1000 in Chicago, by the way, Horace Grantham. Not pleased by that portrayal, Gordon. Not pleased at all. No, and I don't blame him. I mean, if if it if something is said about you that is an untruth, how frustrating is that to try and straighten that out? Um, now, as far as the veracity, one way or the other, I I don't know. But all I know is what he he's claiming. Yeah, but he did. Uh, he, he characterized Michael and the tone of that documentary quite well, right? Yeah. You know, if yeah. if he has an issue with you or whatever, he's going to cut you off and do his thing. I mean, that's basically what he did the whole documentary. <laughs> that is true. How many times did you hear him say it's personal? Well, and uh, and I like the oh, he said it over and over again. George Carl, Gary Payton, uh, Brian Russell. I mean, how many personal grudges were in that? It was it was uh, it was pretty remarkable. But I mean, even down to the concept, Gordon, where they'd get comment from players, and then show those comments to Michael. You know, they weren't getting Michael's comments on Gary Payton and then showing them to Gary. <laughs> they were getting Gary Payton's comments on Michael, and Gary had the audacity to even suggest that he had a def- uh, an effective defensive game plan against Michael Jordan, and Michael gets the laugh- last word and basically gets to laugh in his virtual face. Well, isn't that what they say about history? Whoever's writing it gets the last word. Yeah, and if you win enough, you get to write the history. I think I honestly think that that's part of what this was. Michael Jordan was the greatest of all time and was a great basketball player, so he won six titles, so he gets to write the history about him. <laughs> and if somebody else decided to write the history about him, namely one of these other players, it would not get as much attention because that player isn't Michael. How dare so, you say anything about me that may or may not be accurate? How dare you? 
<laughs> I mean, he did, Jordan, again, I know we've said this a bunch of times, but that, you know what I learned from that documentary is he really is the most petty man alive. George Carl doesn't say hi to him out to dinner during a series, and all of a sudden it's like, what, what, what? How dare he? Why is this ring not kissed? I will humiliate that man. I mean, who, who behaves like that? Do you think we will see a, an increase of these kinds of things? Maybe not to this extent with 10 episodes, but I thought I saw somewhere that Tiger Woods is getting some kind of, some Tiger Slam thing that's uh, airing this Sunday. Well, it, isn't it, the Lance it, Armstrong one coming out? I thought that it, was this Sunday. Maybe they're on different channels. Is this a wave of the future, you think, where people are going? And I don't know who's Self-serving docuseries? <laughs> I, uh, I read a thing today that Lance Armstrong does not like his. So I don't know if he didn't have the authorization level that Michael did. But I did see an interview with him today where he, he's not real wild about his coming out. But, mm. I mean, you know, unlike Michael Jordan, the lies that Lance Armstrong told for decades were exposed. Hmm. Well, I, it's it's something to keep. I think people know this. Any time that you are exposed to anything, uh, be it film or a book or whatever, you've got to filter it through your own prism as far as how you're going to interpret what's true and what isn't. And that can be tricky sometimes, but ultimately that's what's left up to. Austin and I are going to write the unauthorized autobi- or the unauthorized biography of Gordon Monson. <laughs> just all the dirt. I've, I've already got pages of notes. Just salacious stories. And left in and these right. day and age, you have it in the in the book. You have a QR code. They scan it, and then you hear Gordon drop. Just remember, I got a good lawyer. Uh, chapter five is going to be. <laughs> chapter five is going to be called the Juice Affair. <laughs> there is no affair. She was very nice to me, and she was kind enough to to teach me how to play polo. Mm, is that what you uh, call it? The chapter is going to be called Shacking Up, the Juice Year. And I really liked her husband, Tom, too. He was a really nice guy. Bit of a love triangle going, huh? <laughs> Not at all. No? Not at all. No? no? Okay. Which juice did you believe more, her or OJ? Um... Well, what she told me actually turned out to be true. Which was? But, uh, you know, how to properly play <laughs> oh, polo. Oh, I see. Hey, can we play that? The the oh, Can that be drop of the day today, the OJ, uh, where he, he went on a call-in television show? Have you not seen that or heard that? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, we should do that today. I think we discussed this and felt, okay, we'll have to talk about it. Oh, it's fine. We've played Are it on the sure? air. Yeah, we played it on the air a bunch of times. It's like okay. Hans's and my favorite uh, okay. piece of sound ever. Because if you're O.J. Simpson, after going through what you went through, the trial and all that, why on earth would you go on a call-in television show? That sounds like a terrible idea. And bad <laughs> things happen. All right. Anyway. Tune in at 5.30. We've got a partner profile coming up next. Tune in for that. Uh, we're going to uh, talk to Jessica, our friend from Industrial Supply. So stay tuned for that. It's the big show. Gordon Monson, Jake Scott, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. It's time to showcase those that are helping all of us through these difficult times. This is a partner profile on The Zone Sports Network.
Time for a partner profile. Let's get out to the zone phone. Joining us now from Industrial Supply, she is Jessica Yurgaitis with us here on the Big uh, big Show. Jessica, first and foremost, how are you and yours? Everybody doing all right? Uh, yeah, hanging in. Thanks for having me today. Uh, yeah, struggling like everybody else. <laughs> <laughs> well, let, let's talk a little bit about what uh, you folks there at Industrial Supply are doing and operating and uh, dealing with this pandemic like the rest of us. Sounds good. Yeah, we um, we are a 104-year-old uh, Utah business. So we've been around through, I counted about 12 recessions or and the Great Depression. So wow. we've sort of uh, gone through these situations before, but this one's been a little bit different and a bigger challenge than the most or than the rest. So um, just trying to keep our doors open and supply uh, other businesses so they can keep working. Um, and that's been the biggest challenge for us is, you know, dealing with supply chain issues and uh, finding product for our customers right now. So how are you finding ways to, uh, to to make it through? Well, so, you know, we have an interesting business because we supply all of these uh, hard-to-find items every day, such as uh, toilet paper, uh, oddly enough. So we're, uh, we outfit our customers' manufacturers, mines, uh, utilities with with a lot of janitorial products, which, um, as you know, have been really hard to find uh, just for the regular consumer. So when you're buying it in big bulk like we do, um, we've had a hard time getting our hands on it. So toilet paper, water, um, and the obvious uh, PPE that you hear about all the time with the respirators and the hand sanitizer. So all of that stuff is core to industrial supply, um, you know, before the pandemic. So uh, trying to get our hands on any has just been a real challenge. And it's relationships, it's dealing with manufacturers that we've known for many years and uh, trying to get um, you know intimate with them and make sure that they're taking care of the small independent distributors like Industrial Supply. Well, let's let's talk about the supply, those supply chain issues for a second, Jessica, because we hear about that a lot in, in the news. And uh, I will certainly include uh, your team there at Industrial Supply in this comment. But it, something tells me there's a lot of heroic efforts going on in the, the background to overcome those issues and probably a lot of stories we'll never hear about. <laughs> yeah, you're right. And it's um, I've spent so I have our procurement team that reports into me, so I have all of our inventory that that um, I'm responsible for um, pre-pandemic. But um, my job has completely morphed in the last two and a half months, and I spend my time on the phone um, dealing with manufacturers and um, actually dealing with uh, doing some importing because it's the only way we could get our hands on supply. Um, you know, typically we buy direct from manufacturers here, um, predominantly domestic manufacturers, not all of the time. Um, but for us to actually do our own importing has been an interesting um, shift, a paradigm shift for me and my job, um, something that I'm trying to learn how to do. Um, um, but that's just sort of what's become of all of this. And I'm, I'm talking specifically about the, um, the respiratory products and the masks, like the, the 95. So, um, yeah, so my job has changed. I'm doing something completely different. And I'm on the phone negotiating um, with China in the middle of the night because they're working. And, and that's just the name of the game. And um, it's been kind of exciting in a way, uh, you know, doing this for as many years as I have to um, – to, to do something new and to challenge myself and to make sure that we're taking care of our customers and doing right by them because after this is all said and done, um, you know, we need to, um, you know, 
be uh, of, of service of that to them moving forward. And, um, you know, unfortunately, when you can't get supply, some customers don't sort of read the news, I think, or listen to it, and they, they don't realize that there's challenges out there. So, um, you know, we've really prided ourselves on our customer service and getting product to the, our customers when and where they need it. So it's been hard for us to not be perfect during this, but we're doing our, our very best. Well, Jessica, we certainly appreciate you jumping on the show and we appreciate uh, your partnership with us here at the station and uh, congratulations on all the work you're doing and thank you very much for doing it and please send your team our appreciation as well. Yeah, thank you. Thank you very much for having us and uh, we appreciate the time today. Thanks, Jessica. That's uh, Jessica Yurgaitis from Industrial Supply. And, that you know, we've had a lot of great partner profiles, and that was certainly one of them, Gordon. That was very informative. The The supply chain is something that I've really tried to, to keep an eye on and read about. And uh, talking to Jessica, who's right in the middle of it for Industrial Supply, who are providing, you know, just essential supplies for so many people. I mean, I thought that was really fascinating. Well, so much of it is interconnected or connected in one way or another. And uh, if one part of it breaks down, then what do you do? Right, right. And and it sounds like Jessica is spending time finding other sources to get what they need and uh, spending most of her time on the phone, sometimes in the middle of the night. That's that's uh, that's pretty wild. That's that's yeah. pretty awesome that, you know, we I guess we talk about this a lot, Gordon. Uh, there's a lot of adaptation going on out there. And companies like Industrial Supply are absolutely critical to how we live our lives and how we proceed. And uh, big ups to them for doing the job that they're doing. That's great. Yeah, here, here. Uh, in fact, our friend Chad, who uh, tweets at us all the time, uh, Gordon, you can tweet at us at Jake Scott Zone, at Gordon Monson, at Austin Horton as well. Uh, Chad says, I'm at an industrial supply a few times a week. Excellent company and very safe to walk into. And Jessica mentioned that, that they're in, uh, adjusting how they serve their customers, but they're out there doing that good work, and that is awesome. Yep, yep, I agree. Coming up next, we're going to talk to longtime jazz assistant coach and current uh, analyst on our radio broadcast, Gordon Chiesa, joins us next, 97.5 and 1280 The Zone.